to be continuing our Advent series this morning. So let's just pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this, this morning, this chance to be together as we close out 2022. It's coming to an end. And um, Lord, thank you for this Advent series that we've been having and the things that we've been um, taking in during that time. And I pray that you will give each one of us something to take away today, um, something that you want us to contemplate, think about, and um, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. So again, my name is Kier, for those of you who don't know me, continuing our Advent series. So this morning as we continue this, we're specifically going to be dealing with the events that have to do with when Joseph, Mary, and Jesus move to Egypt and then come back from Egypt. So those are the verses that we'll be covering. And as we look at that, I'd like us to build around these three points. We're going to look at a foundation, some examples, and an application. And specifically, our foundation is going to be the inspiration of Scripture. The examples are going to deal with obedience, and in particular, obedience when you don't know what the outcome is going to be afterwards, and obedience when you do know what the outcome is going to be if you obey. And then there's going to be an application which is that there is restoration in the midst of suffering. So the prophecies of Matthew outlines and their Old Testament context have actually been a little bit of a challenge to me. As I was preparing for this message, my first kind of to walk you through what it looked like for me was when I first read those familiar passages, I'm like, cool, this is really neat how there are these prophecies and here they are answered in the beginning of Matthew. And then I, uh, I think it's a good idea like to look at the little footnotes. Okay, this is a reference to this specific verse and then go back to that verse in Jeremiah or Hosea or wherever it might be and read it in the context of where it is. And when I did that, I was kind of like, hmm, this isn't as simple as I thought it was going to be. This is, I'm, I, I feel like this is, I'm going to have to grow a little bit to understand how these things fit together. And as I was doing that and studying and praying, I really kind of grew my confidence that there is an absolute connection due to these, these verses being tied together by someone inspired by the Holy Spirit, by Matthew. And not only by Matthew, but even by people between Matthew and us who've also looked at these same connections. But the foundation of this is that we just have to remember that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and therefore it is inerrant. And we must hold to this truth. This next slide has a paraphrased, it's not a quote because I paraphrased it, I shrunk it down a little bit, tried to make it a little more understandable, of uh, a Bible commentator whose name was William MacDonald. And he says, I feel like it's a good summary. He says, the real problem is not that the Bible, is not the Bible being fallible, but us lacking complete understanding. We need to seek out such matters what seems like difficulties and contradictions all have explanations and explanation, and these explanations are filled with spiritual significance and profit. And really, this is one of the reasons why the elders have wanted to do and started this biblical review series in the fall, which we'll be picking up in the start of the year, is to grow in our confidence and our understanding of where the Bible comes from and who the different people were involved that wrote down things that are included in our Bible. And um, 
The last thing I just wanted to say about this foundation is I just, it was great that that first song we had this morning had to talk about the mystery. Just to encourage you, Dave Ferguson talked about that a couple weeks ago too. There is some mystery in scripture. As we go through this, I'd like you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind too. Because everything of value isn't always just laying on the surface. Sometimes we need to dig in with the help of the Holy Spirit. I really like this um, proverb. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So let's read through some of the verses that deal with prophecy and dreams in Matthew, specifically the ones dealing with going into and out of Egypt. So it says, um, talking about the kings or the magi or the wise men, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So that's the end of the Matthew reading. So Joseph was an example of obedience of when you don't know what's going to happen. I, I found myself wondering, was was this the same angel that had come to Joseph and told him that he should continue with his plans to marry Mary? It says in this, what we just read, that the angel says, get up and go. Stay until I tell you. I feel like that was maybe God's way of making sure that Joseph was listening to the right person and not coming back early. And there's some immediate consequences to Joseph's obeying that I'd like to talk about. Not covered in the reading I just read, but when people found out that Joseph was going to marry Mary and she was pregnant or continue to marry her, I'm sure that he faced ridicule. And now he's, he and they are running for their lives. They're going to be refugees. But immediately, uh, there are benefits to his obedience. There's safety for Mary and Joseph. And and they got to experience God's provision of picking up and leaving in the middle of the night to travel to another land, be in that land for a time. We don't really hear how God provided for them while he was there, but, or while they were in Egypt, and then providing for them to be able to come back as well. And so I like, I've kind of enumerated them. I like the fact that Mary and Jesus receive the care and protection found in marriage. 
And Joseph's being obedient also, he was allowed to be a part of these prophecies coming true of a virgin birth, weeping in Ramah, which we'll be talking about, and also this out of Egypt sequence. So all these prophecies are fulfilled, they're, they're completed. Although it couldn't happen on its own, I feel like most importantly, he got to be a part of Jesus escaping from having his life taken from him as a child so that he could choose to give his life as an adult for the sins of the world. Joseph got to be a part of God's fulfillment of these things. He got to be a part of the story so that we could have transformation and salvation as well as many other lives. And he got to be a part of God being glorified. Now there's also situations where when you obey, you don't know what's, uh, you do know what's going to happen next. Perfect illustration of that is Jesus' life. So Jesus followed his father's desire. He took on human flesh and he did these things. He showed people what God was like. He taught with authority. He experienced unimaginable pain and an unimaginable death. And he made a way for us to be in fellowship with God now and for eternity. And we could spend, and I hope we do spend, our entire life pondering these points. When I think about especially the third one, that he knew what he was going to go through and yet still did that, that's amazing to me. It makes me very grateful. And what about our obedience? What do you think would be? What do you think is easier, being obedient when you know what's going to happen, or when you don't know what's going to happen? I was thinking about the kids, since the kids are in here. If you know that your mom or dad wants you to do something, and maybe you know what's going to happen, because like, okay, I'm in trouble, and I have to face up to the trouble. Is that easier, or is it easier when you don't know what's going to happen? Well, I think actually that might be the wrong question. Joseph took his role as protector and a provider seriously even with the mystery that was involved with the story that he was a part of now and I'm sure he still had questions of as he as he was going through it it makes me ask do we take our roles seriously the roles that God has for us each day do we listen and respond to God in trying to understand what he has for us in those roles and do we recognize that our roles might change too that we are not always going to be in exactly the same role. Now, Jesus knew the Father, and he taught others and focused on his mission by knowing the Word of God. We can know God better by knowing his Word. This past week, actually, our life group, during our, our time together, we were looking at Matthew 4, and during our time in the Word, and that is the section where it talks about Jesus going out in the desert and being tempted. Different ones in the group noticed that it was really interesting that Jesus didn't necessarily always answer or respond to the devil's questions or claims or invitations, but he always responded with the word. He always had the word. And we were talking about how if we don't really have the word, we're going to be in big trouble. If we have the word but we kind of forget it, we can, we can get tricked. The devil can trick us. And that's especially true today. We, we don't want to get tricked. We're kind of, we're living in a, I'd call it a, an up, we're living an upside down world where 
good is bad and bad is good and where beauty is ugly and where ugliness is called beautiful and so we need we need roots we need a foundation and we need to obey the lord by listening to those to those voices but there is hope for us if we are tricked and it's also there's also hope for those who may at right now at this time be believing in the upside down world I believe, and I believe through Joseph's dreams and Matthew's connecting the dreams to prophecy for us, God wants us to understand that he offers restoration in the midst of suffering. What Matthew was inspired to share helps us to connect the dots. Let's take a look at the Matthew out of Egypt reference, which Hosea quotes. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. That's from Hosea. The name Hosea means salvation, and it's basically the same name as Joshua or Jesus. God did call Israel out of Egypt, as was recorded in Exodus. But with that said, the book of Hosea helps, helps us to understand the destructive power of sin to the relationship that God wants to have, that he wants people to have with him. It also illustrates God's heart for restoration. Matthew was led by the Spirit to connect this verse from the restoration story told in Hosea to Jesus and the restoration that Jesus makes possible for all sinners who turn from their sinful ways and receive reconciliation with God. Now let's take a look at the Weeping in Ramah reference which quotes Jeremiah. It says, this is what the Lord says, a voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. Now, like the Hosea verse, Matthew was led by the Spirit to connect these events of Jesus' early years to a verse that talks about the sufferings described in Jeremiah. And throughout Jeremiah, there is anguish and mourning and weeping for various reasons. But at the same time, there are promises of restoration. I put a few on your outline for you that you can look at and think about later. But Jeremiah describes some notable earthly restoration. Jesus makes it possible for all sinners who turn from their sinful ways to receive permanent reconciliation with God. Sometimes the anguish is brought on by ourselves. Sometimes it isn't. God allows us to walk through suffering with an eye on the eternal. And I can think of two depictions of this. One is kind of a recent one. Some of you may have seen The Chosen Season 3, which was in theaters earlier this month. If you haven't seen it, when it comes out on live stream or however they do it, they always seem to do it in different ways, um, there's a really cool inter interaction, a conversation that they depict between Jesus and James the Lesser, or wait a minute, yeah, or they call him Little James in the story. And basically, he's trying to understand Jesus. Why don't you? He's depicted as having some kind of physical problem, and he just feels like you're healing these other people. Why aren't you healing? Why don't you heal me? You know, like, why do I have to go through? We don't really know what it is, but we, why do I have to go through this? And Jesus just 
implores him. He's like, hey, you know, you could be healed from this, but like, why don't you just hold on to it and let God use it to bring other people into his kingdom? So I think that's an example of how God can, can restore in, in a hard situation like that. The other one that comes to mind is in the Gospel of John where it talks about the blind man and um, that eventually Jesus heals. But his disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. So as we go out of 2022, I really encourage you to remember that we have a reliable foundation. That is the inspired scripture. And we have practical examples of obedience in both kinds of scenarios where we know what lies ahead and where we don't lie with ahead, lies ahead. And God will restore in the midst of suffering today just like he did at that time and so whether you're suffering or someone around you is i i just pray that as we go into 23 that you will remember that he works and he restores in the middle of the suffering lord thank you so much for this day and um, lord thank you that you do restore restore us to relationship with you we thank you that you've given us visible um, symbols of what that looks like. I thank you even this morning that as, we cl as I close off this prayer that we'll be, Dave will be coming up and leading us in um, taking communion and thank you for that um, way of remembering what you've done for us and we pray these things in Jesus' name.